Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's broadcast. If you're interested in having a great quality of life while you're walking with God, you are at the right place because Jesus wants you to have life to its fullest. And you know something? Everything I teach, everything I do is just so that can happen, that you can have the best life possible. You know, we're talking this month about being your authentic self, being true to who you really are in Jesus. And, you know, part of that means I, I can't be a fake. I can't be some version of somebody else. You know, I told you the story last week about the guy that, 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 was, that said when he was young, you know, he, he, I can't remember if it was Billy Graham or David Wilkinson, but every time he'd try to, every time he would pray, you know, he'd, he'd, he would, he would, Use that tone of voice. He tried to pray like they did. And he said, it felt like God spoke to his heart one day and said, you know, uh, uh, I don't recognize your voice. I don't know who I'm talking to. Just imagine. I mean, to, to me, that is just, I, I, can see the, I can see the movie in my mind. I can see in my mind somebody down here praying and asking God to bless them. And God said, well, you know, I would, but I just don't know what address to send this blessing to because I don't recognize your voice. Who are you? Well, you know something? Here's the great thing. Most of us have been made to believe that who we are is so inherently wrong that God wants us to be somebody else. Well, let me tell you, God wants you to be born again. And when you're born again, your spirit man is made fully righteous, fully whole, fully complete. Matter of fact, the, you know one of the most un disbelieved scriptures in the whole new Bible is when Jesus said in the book of Colossians that uh, you know, that we are complete in him. Like, no, I'm not complete. I got to feed my spirit. I got to build up my spirit. No, you don't. You need to deal with your heart. You need to deal with your beliefs. You need to deal with your thoughts. You need to deal with your emotions. But, but uh, either Jesus made you righteous or you're never going to be righteous enough. It, it, it is just absolutely that simple. And so the truth is, God, God's not too concerned about your personality. God's not too concerned about you know, your behavior pattern. God's not too concerned about your strengths and your weaknesses as far as it relates to, uh, uh, you know, daily practical life. Now, he's interested in your strengths and your weaknesses if you're talking about uh, moral or ethical strengths and weaknesses or, you know, that kind of thing. But the truth is, who you are, see, is, is the product of all of your life experiences, your sense of humor, you know, uh, uh, and, and really even what makes you good, maybe it's your job or what makes you good as a hus husband or a wife is how, you, a lot of it was how you were raised and what was modeled to you. Now, all, all God, God's not saying, I want to erase your past. God is saying, I want to, uh, I, I want to give godly character to everything that you are. So that what happens when we yield to the righteousness of God in us, when we yield to the Holy Spirit as He's leading us, what happens is all of our life's experiences start working for us and they stop working against us because we stop 
functioning in the weaknesses and the limitations of, of who we are, and we start functioning the strengths and the limitlessness of who we are. You know, uh, uh, the other day I, I was, you know, about usually sometime in the afternoon, I, I'll usually stop and, and it's around four o'clock and, I, and I'll, I'll decide if I'm going to work anymore or not just based on how inspired I am, if I have how much energy I have or if I got anything planned for the evening or, or that kind of thing. And so, um, so, I, so I sat down and I was flipping the television around. I came up on a show called The Five. It's on the Fox Network. And uh, I, I'm not... You know, I'm not all that familiar with the show, haven't watched it. I think I've watched a couple of segments from time to time, but really, you know, don't really know anything about the show. And so I'm watching this show, and, and, and one of the guys on there, I think his name is Greg Gutfield or Greg something. And uh, so he started talking about Kanye West. And he was really, really positive about Kanye West. And, and uh, they were showing, I think they showed a clip of Kanye being interviewed at Joel Osteen's church, Lakewood Church in, in Houston, Texas. And so they started a conversation. Well, evidently there's several people on that five that are very committed Christians, know the Bible somewhat, you know, and this following Jesus. And so almost everybody was on there was positive. And Juan Williams, who uh, I don't know anything about his background, or, you know, good or bad, I don't know. But I was so shocked and dismayed when Juan came out and said, well, you know what? I know what marketing looks like. I believe is the terminology he used, or advertising or promotion or something like that. And he said, it looks like to me Kanye has just gone to find him another market. And uh, man, the rest of the people on there kind of were like, are you kidding me? You know, we don't have the right to judge whether or not he's saved or not. We don't have the right to judge whether or not he's authentic or not. And Really, as I was thinking about that, I just, I, I kind of had a <clears throat> almost 50 year uh, computer search of my entire Christian life and thinking about all of the experiences that I've had either directed toward me or directed toward people I was ministering to where, where Christians or the church as a whole wasn't willing to accept them because they were passing judgments on them. Sometimes it was lost people, you know, that I would be leading to the Lord and bringing them to church, and they had a bad, bad past, and, and people, you know, uh, would have their commentary on their past, or sometimes it was Christians who, who I was helping recover. You know, I've spent my life recovering a lot of people, a lot of ministers. Uh, I've helped recover them, and, you know, they went on to be more successful uh, after they experienced God and His grace and His mercy and His strength and His power pulling him out of sin or pulling her out of sin than they had before when they thought they had all the pieces of their, of their life together. You know, um, uh, when I first gave my life to the Lord, you know, my passion was to reach my generation. Uh, I kind of looked at church and thought, you know, uh, you guys got preachers that talk your language, but my generation doesn't have anybody. That, that talks our language. And, uh, and, and you know, and I was, I was a realist. I wasn't trying to be critical, but, but, but I was also thinking, and, you know, the, the way you talk in church and the, using the King James English and, the, you know, I, I thought, I, I mean, really, I just said, this is just a turnoff to my generation. Now, I was willing, 
If I needed to, and if that's what God wanted, I got news for you. I would have become as straight laced and, and as rigid as every Christian that I knew. But you know what? I realized early that that's not, that's not what God wanted. And I had a great pastor. I was so fortunate. And you know, um, I would win these people to Jesus and, and uh, I, you know, bring them to church. And many of these guys had never even been in the inside of a church. I, I remember one time I had these two guys with me that I'd been witnessing to. And, and they came to church with me. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they didn't know what was going on. And so, you know, they would turn to me every now and then and say, what am I supposed to do? Or, you know, they would ask me some question. Now, they didn't do it real loud. I'll never forget some old blue-haired lady in front of us turned around and she said, if you'd shut up and pay attention, you'd know what you're supposed to do. Man, I tell you, I wanted, to, I wanted to just get up and smack her senseless. The only problem was I realized she already was senseless. Man, alive. And so, you know, so I'm winning all these people to Jesus. And, and the, 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 you know, a lot of them started coming to church. And, but as most of them were driven out of church as fast as I was bringing them in. And I'll never forget my pastor. He was so insightful. One day he said, uh, we were together and he said, look, Jim, he said, you're never going to make it here. He said, and, and he told me, he said, e you know, every person in this church needs to be doing what you're doing. He said, every Christian needs to be doing what you're doing, but they're not going to. And he said, the problem is they're not going to let you do it either. Because you're going to bring in these people that they don't like. They don't like the way they're dressed. They don't like that they got long hair. They don't like that they're barefooted or they don't like something about them. And they're going to drive these people out. And at some point, you're going to get bitter and uh, it's going to destroy you and it's going to destroy these people you're trying to reach. And I said, well, well what do I do? Because I want, I want these people, you know, being a part of a fellowship. And man, I, you know, I am not an anti-church person. I want you to realize that I pastored for, for about 30 years, but I am anti um, religion. I am anti, let's get control of everybody. Let's make everybody look alike, dress alike, talk alike. Let's make everybody be a religious outcast, not religious because they're righteous, but religious because, you know, or outcast because they're religious. And so, you know, so I knew that people needed fellowship. I knew that people needed teaching and instruction. And so he said, Jim, you need to start something for these people that you reach that is church, but doesn't look like church. Well, I'd never heard of home meetings. And, uh, uh, but that's what I did. I started having home meetings. And, you know, back in those days, all the guys didn't know I was saved. You know, all they knew is I was a musician, played in one of the coolest bands in town, and I always had uh, a lot of drugs. That, that was kind of it. And so, you know, if I put the word out that I was having a get together, people would show up because <laughs> they, they thought we were going to be having a drug party, you know. So I'd put the word out that I was having a meet. I'd, I'd have meetings in different people's houses. And man, you know, we'd have 20, 30, 40 people show up. And uh, I didn't even know much of anything. And I would just tell my story. I'd tell about what happened in my life. And I had this, this guy that was my first mentor. He was a deacon in that church. He was an incredible man, uh, James McCraw, Jim McCraw. And, and after I would share my story, he would lead them to Jesus. And I would get to see, you know, how, how, how all this happened. And I'm telling you, it was incredible. But let, let me just say this. Now, the, of all of those people that gave their lives to the Lord back then, the only ones that survived 
were the ones that got into some kind of a healthy church environment. By healthy church environment, I'm not saying it has to look like whatever church up and down the highway here looks like. I'm not saying a brick building with a steeple on top of it. I'm saying some kind of gathering of people that was, that was sharing of faith, worshiping, connecting to God, being, you know, learning the word together. Uh, and the only ones that survived, the only ones that are still walking with God are the ones that got into some kind of healthy fellowship. And the, the ones that got into, most of the ones that got into traditional church didn't make it. They got blown out, they got pushed out, they got criticized. Or some of those that did just became religious nut job, legalistic religious nut jobs. And the rest of them just gave up because there was no, there was no place for them to, to fit in. You know, you know, we're designed to be in connection with people. We're designed to be in relationships with people. God wants us in relationships with people. So, so you know, I watched this pattern over and over and over again. Man, I remember when Bob Dylan and and Keith Green and all these other people, these rock and rollers started coming to Jesus, you know, back in the 70s and, and eight, early 80s. And you know, it's amazing how many of those people, some of them still embrace God and some of them still have a relationship with God, believe on Jesus, but it's amazing how many of them don't and how many of them who still have a relationship with God can't have a healthy relationship with Christians or with church people. And why? I'll tell you why, because of the same thing that's happening with Kanye right now. You got people that, that are saying, well, I don't know if it's legitimate. I don't know if it's real. Well, you know what? I don't know if you're real. And what are you basing that on? I mean, you're just looking at somebody and say, well, that, that guy's a nasty rapper. He's got these nasty songs. Sure he does. But you know what? I got a nasty past. You probably got a nasty past. And when we come to Jesus, we're washed in the blood of Jesus and all that's behind us. And the only way we're going to know if, if, that, if a person is legit, we're never going to know what's in their heart. But the only way we're going to know if their efforts are legitimate or not is the fruit. That's it. So Kanye's out here leading hundreds of young people to Jesus. Now, he don't know much. I mean, you know, bless his heart. I, I, I went and watched some of his interview with Joel Osteen. I thought, well, bless his heart. You know, religion's already got a hold of him. He's talking about the devil and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? He's helping people. And I'm glad he's helping people. And if he walks with God, he'll figure it out. Uh, he might not figure out how we see it or how my version of it is. But that's all right if he walks with God and it gets real. But, but see, you you know, there's a scripture, there's a scripture that comes to me and, and the apostle Paul was talking about this in second Corinthians four. And, um, he says this, uh, he says in, uh, excuse me, second Corinthians, uh, uh, four or five, he says, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus sake. Now, that phrase, we preach not ourselves. Man, I'm telling you something. That is one of those phrases that captured my heart years ago, decades ago. What does that mean we don't preach ourselves? Well, you know, the book of Peter talks about, uh, it talks about people who have a private interpretation. Private interpretation of Scripture is... is a private concept of God, private interpretation of who God is. It's a concept of God that you concoct on your own. Totally 
absent of, of the facts. Uh, and so you create this image of God and you decide this is what it's supposed to be like. This is what it's supposed to look like. Now, here's one of the things I found is people who are secure in who they are, people who out of their, who out of their relationship with God have the peace and the confidence to be who they are in Jesus and do what they do the way they do it because they're following God. Those people uh, are really not going to let you remake them in your image because that's what we do. We remake God in our own image instead of us being remade in his image. You know, we talked about it last week. When God, when God sent man out on the planet Earth, he said, go ahead and be fruitful and multiply. And we've taken that and twisted that into having a bunch of kids. Well, you know what? You can apply it that way if you want to, but, but in truth, it's talking about how you live your life. It's talking about, it's talking about ha having greatness and influence uh, by being uniquely who you are, finding the place in the world that works for you, finding the place where your dream can come to pass and that you can walk with God and fulfill your dream. Not changing who God is, but yielding to Him and, and using whatever strengths that you have and relying on Him to, you know, to bring it to pass, to make it work. But you're always surrendering everything to Him. You're always surrendering how you're going to do it to Him. So, so, God wants you to be the real you, but the righteous version of the real you. You know, he, he's probably fine with your sense of humor. He's probably fine with so many things about you that religion might find wrong with you. you know, I'll never forget. The fir first person I ever cast a demon out of, man, I'm telling you, actually the second person, I'd never seen anything like it. The people around me had never seen anything like it. You know, I, I'd never gone to a church or been around people who believed that was even possible. And it was one of these old rock and rollers, you know, that, and, and, and so long and short of it was, um, when I started talking to him about walking with God, he, he, he was a musician and he was like, you know what, I don't mind going to church, but if I've got to play that music they play, I'd rather go to hell. You know, I know you think, well, then he wasn't really serious. Anyhow, well, you can't really say he wasn't serious because God's not thinking. He was a musician. His life was the quality of music that his played. His living was made through music. You know, we, I, I live within, within 45 minutes of what used to be the, the recording capital of the world for soul and rock music, and that's Muscle Shows, Alabama. And everybody's anybody recorded over in Muscle Shows. And I tell you, they had revival in Muscle Shows back in the, uh, the seven, late 70s and early 80s. And I'm telling you, those musicians were getting born again that worked in Muscle Shows studios. Well, most of those musicians uh, turned out to be house painters or carpenters or usually some low entry level job because... They were convinced that God would not be happy with them being a musician. You know, you, and, and, you know and I, now for me, I didn't want to go back in bars. I didn't be, want to be involved where there was drugs. I, I did not want to put myself in a situation where I might compromise. I made that decision. Nobody told me to make that decision. Nobody told me I should make that decision. Uh, but at the same time, 
I also recognized that I had a call on my life, and if I wanted to influence people, I couldn't be in compromising situations. But you know something? It's kind of interesting, you think. Now, if you're a painter and you get born again, you, you just become a Christian painter and you get to keep painting houses. You say, yeah, but that's different than the music industry. Well, really, you think there's not a whole bunch of alcoholic drunk painters? My daddy was a painter. He was a drunk. He was a bootlegger. All of his, you know, all of his buddies were drunks and bootleggers and thieves and liars. And, and, and so, you, you know, you, so, okay, you're a carpenter. Uh, do you have to quit being a carpenter? No. You become a godly carpenter. Uh, you know, uh, wherever you work and almost any profession, you get to stay there and everybody's all right with it. Uh, you just, like I said, you just become, now you just become a, a godly waitress in a cafe or you become a godly painter. You become honest in your business dealings. You stop lying and cheating and you stop stealing stuff off of the jobs and you start bringing a godly influence in. But if you were a musician in the 70s and 80s and you, you gave your life to the Lord, it's like, you, you got to quit. You got, this, is, this is not of God playing that, playing that music. And so I used to look at that and I think, well, okay, I can kind of understand, you know, I can understand maybe not going back and playing in bars, but, but, but I don't think I have to. I don't think, I don't think that's required if you, if you got the strength to walk in it. And, and I, you know, I didn't think I did have the strength to walk in. I didn't want to be around it. I did not want to be compromised. And that was my choice. But, uh, but, but I used to think, what's, what's the real driving? What's the driving force behind this? What is the driving force? Well, I'll tell you what the driving force behind it is. Driving force is self-righteousness. Now, self-righteousness, like anything, it can come off several different ways. Self-righteousness can come off as the pompous religious person who tries to pretend like that they are perfect. But more times than not, a self-righteous person is just somebody who is deeply insecure. And they question their righteousness. They question their relationship with God. And, and so they have, to they have to take a position that requires everybody else to do what they're doing so that they can feel right about themselves. And uh, so I realized that really the message that's sent out to most people is you need to be like me. You need to look like me. You need to dress like me. You need to talk like me. You need to go to the same denomination I go to. Better yet, you need to go to the very same church that I go to because you need to be like me. Well, I got news for you. When that's somebody's message, they're not doing it for you. They're not doing it to make you more secure. They're doing it so that they will be more secure. But wait, let, me just, let me just mention something. Here. You know, if, if, if these kinds of practical messages are a benefit to you, I got news for you. I, you. Then that makes you the kind of person that I can invest in your life. That, that's, really, that's really what we do all the time here at Impact Ministries. We invest in people's lives so they can become who they want to be in Jesus. And, you know, I'm, I'm, man, I'm going to talk to you so much about that. You, you're not even, next week's program is going to blow you away about being true to your authentic self. But let me mention this. I've got all kinds of resources and tools that will help you, that will develop you. And I just want you to know that we're going to be running a Christmas special, 25% off of all of our digital products and 20% off of all of our hard copy products. And that's everything that we have. And you say, well, Jim, uh, 
I, I thought you had all kinds of free stuff on your website. I do, man. I got, I got hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, resources that you can get off our website for free. But uh, these things that are recorded, they are more in-depth. They are for the person who's really serious about it and making an investment in my life. So I'm going to encourage you, man, check out my website, uh, drjimrichards.com or impactministries.com. Check it out and, and just look at all of the resources we've got. This is a chance to invest in your life. That's what disciples do. Disciples invest in, the, in their own life so they can be who they are in Jesus uh, instead of listening to everybody else and becoming who somebody else wants you to be in Jesus. You know, um, I was in a mental buddy of mine. We were traveling across the southeastern United States just ministering. This was back, again, this was back in the 70s. And man, this is when house churches were just popping up everywhere. I'll never forget, we went into a restaurant and a, a, this woman came out and she had on a, she had on a, a denim skirt and, uh, and some shoes that looked very out of date and a blouse that looked very out of date and her hair was stacked up in a big beehive. Now, if you want to dress that way, that's fine. I don't care. But my friend just said, so what Pentecostal church do you belong to? And she was amazed she said, do you have a prophetic gift? And he said, no, why? She said, well, how did you know I was, how'd you know I was a Christian? How'd you know I was a Pentecostal? And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Are, are you kidding me? You can, you, you can tell, you know, there are certain groups of Christians, you just walk through the room and you can tell who belongs to what kind of church sometimes, just, just by the way they're dressed. Listen, God is not interested in making you be like anybody else. God wants you. And we talked about the Hebrew words in that in Genesis 1:28 last week. If you didn't listen to last week's uh, uh, broadcast, you go back and listen to it. We talked about these Hebrew words where you go out and you're perceptive. You know, with your heart connected to God, you're, you're, you're perceptive. You're paying attention to where you are, what the opportunities are. And, you're, and those that resonate with you you, you rely on God and listen to God and you follow that with your heart connected to God and take a path that always keeps you connected to God. And not only do you experience peace and joy and success, but you experience it connected to God. You experience it being who you are. You experience it doing things you enjoy doing. Man, I'm telling you what, the church has lied to us for years and, and made us believe God didn't want us to do things that we enjoy doing. Well, I got news for you. God does want you to do things that you enjoy doing. That's part of what makes life great is when you do things you enjoy doing and you find a way to help people and benefit people uh, and walk with God while you're doing it. Man, life, life doesn't get any better than that. Listen, I want you to know next year, we have got so many new things we're going to be, we're going to be unloading uh, out here for you. We're going, to, we're going to be getting Impact International School of Ministry back where it has full access again so that you can equip yourself for the ministry like thousands of other students around the world has done. But I also just want to mention a couple of things. Don't forget about Operation One Billion. In Operation One Billion, every, uh, all around the world, we are starting Bible schools and training leaders in this gospel of the kingdom that that will raise up disciples, not just raise up converts, raise up disciples. And it is our goal, it is our intention, and we are working toward raising up one billion disciples. We can start a Bible school anywhere in the world for $600. That's amazing. Back when I first started doing this, it cost about a quarter of a million dollars to start a Bible school somewhere in some other part of the world. And we're doing it. I'm telling you, it is happening. You're going to be hearing more about you're going to be hearing more about uh, our 
Operation One Billion. You're going to be hearing more about our School of Ministry. You're going to be hearing more about all kinds of new tools, resources, and programs that we're going to have available to you. So go to Dr. Jim Richards. Check out everything on the website. Look at it. Listen, we're working on our website right now. It's a little clunky, in my opinion it is. Uh, but, but go around and look at all the things that we've got on there, all the testimonies that we've got on there, all the things that will, that will uh, show you what we're doing all around the world. And, and if you want to do something, you just jump on with us. And one of the things that you can do, be sure, and so if you're watching this on YouTube, YouTube, be sure to subscribe to this site, to like it, and be sure to share it with other people and to comment. Give us your comments on it. Put your questions. Put your testimonies about what you get out of your life or what, what happens in your life as a result to listen to these broadcasts. Listen, we're, you're part of Operation 1B, and I want to influence you, and I want to help you influence the world around you. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.